Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now, back to the podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Matt Pierce, and I am the Learning and Video Ambassador for TechSmith. I'm your host today. I'm so glad you guys could join us here in the Visual Lounge. We're, uh, you know, a little bit late here, just trying to get things kicking off, but that is okay. Before we get too far into things, I want to mention today that this week we launched another new course. The new course is Help Writing Helpful Help. Uh, we've got the author, Michelle Wiederman. She's going to be coming on next week. We're so grateful for that. Go check it out. If you're doing customer education, you're doing training, you're doing documentation, it's going to give you a lot of really great basic ideas on how to move things forward and to be able to you know, learn how to write actual helpful help, including stuff about using visuals. So check that out in the Academy new this week. Now, of course, we're here for a show. and We've got a fantastic guest. Uh, let me just set this up a little bit because I first saw Brian Fanzo a couple years ago at a very small conference at, you know, it was a small event. And when he started speaking at that event, I was instantly engaged. He had energy, he had candor, he had excitement that, that he just brought. And it was like, oh my gosh, this guy's the real deal. And he knew what he was talking about. And the thing that I absolutely loved, his message was clear. He said, press the damn button. And it resonated with me. And I knew I've got to do that better. And since that time, I've had the privilege to get to know Brian and, uh, you know, get to understand that he is a force for good. And he's got this infectious personality that just makes you want to be around him. He draws you in. But more than that, not only does he draw you in, he's also the kind of person that's willing to help. And so we're so glad that he's here. You know, Brian, if you look at his bio, you're going to see that he teaches all sorts of technology companies, how to engage their customers. He's got a gift for bringing people together and online. He, he is, I, I think, self-proclaimed the oldest millennial there is. He's worked all over the world. We're so grateful to have uh, Brian here. Uh, thank you, Brian. Let's see. Hey, there you are. We're grateful that you're here, Brian. I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, the work that you do. We've had, I know we've had a number of times to chat and talk. So, just why don't you take a second though, introduce yourself to our guests and or, or to our the uh, people that are watching. Um, if they haven't seen you, they, I know they can see you in the TechSmith Academy. Maybe they've met you all over, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So, um, dad of three girls, uh, proud dad of three girls. Um, I, my, my background, you know, rather unique in the fact that I worked in cybersecurity for the department of defense. Uh, I then worked, uh, for a data center company. Uh, it, that was a cloud computing data center company. Uh, at both of those companies, my job was really, uh, to deploy training, uh, learning and development and, drive collaboration, first around cybersecurity tools, uh, second around cloud computing tools, uh, both of them very sexy, as you guys can imagine. Um, and then uh, for the last six years, actually six years last month, uh, I've been an entrepreneur, uh, keynote speaker up until March of this year, then I became a virtual keynote speaker. Uh, I host a couple of podcasts and you know, for me, a lot of what I talk about now is video, of course, pressing the damn button. Uh, my aha moment happened uh, with live video in 2013. 
the very first time I went live uh, in, I was in Barcelona on Meerkat, the app called Meerkat. And I, uh, I pressed that button then and I found the medium that was my preferred medium that allowed me to be myself, um, connect and have a good time uh, with the world. So since then I've done almost 4,000 live videos, like something wow. 3,800 live videos since March of 2014. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's right. I, a digital futurist. Yes. Pager wearing millennial and, uh, been crazy enough. I think the, the cool part is, and Matt, you and I talked this when we were at dinner, uh, the last time we, we met up, you know, I've been a user of, uh, TechSmith since the very first job. So the, 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 pretty much the only tech, uh, maybe, maybe Microsoft SharePoint. I don't use it now though. Uh, the only tech I've pretty much used from my entire career has been uh, TechSmith products. So, uh, I'm a fan more so than anything else because, uh, it's been the longest, uh, tools in my tools. We, even back then I wasn't really a Mac, a heavy Mac user. So I was windows early on. So I can't even say, you know, my, my company's iSocial fan because it's iPhone, iPad, iSocial fans. I like I. Um, but with that being said, I, I wasn't even using a Mac uh, back in the early days when I started using with TextMess. So excited to be here. Yeah, well, we're so glad that you've been with us along your journey. And I, you know, and I, I, I like I said in the intro, I, if you heard. Uh, you know, the idea of pressing the button, it, it resonated with me. And I know you talk a lot about it because it, the, what you said with live, right? It allows you to connect. You found that medium. I'm curious. Um, what does it really mean for you, though? Because it's 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 almost it's a little tongue in cheek, right? Press the damn button. Yep. It's a little it's ca it's obviously catchy, but for you, like take that. Well, if we take that mantra and expand it, like what does it mean as a kind of a philosophy? Yeah, so it's definitely the button can be anything, right? And my my new podcast, it's been fun because I've been interviewing people. Uh, I've had 10 episodes where I want to know what buttons they've pressed in their lives. And one of them was lacing up her tennis shoes and realizing she didn't have to wear heels so she could be herself. Another one was pressing the button to embrace his activism and dive in there. But when I look at it, I think of it this way, that the old adage, which I was raised with, was that you let your work do the talking for you. You don't, you don't put yourself out there. You let your work do the talking for you. People will discover you and, and you'll be rewarded. And thanks to social media, technology, innovation, you know, traveling, you know, interstate roads, being able to you know, expand over the last 20 years, that adage is no longer works. If you are, are, are waiting for someone to discover you, if you're doing great things and you're letting, trying to let your work do the talking for you, you're gonna be drowned out by the bad news, the fake news, people selling unicorns and rainbows. And so the onus is now up to us to put ourselves out there, to press the button. Now that button doesn't have to be even something digitally. Technically that button might be, hey, I need to be more active in my local community so that people are aware of what my business might be doing. But that's where really it comes into me. It's really about, you know, hey, let's let's put this out there. And so it's not, you know, it, live video might've been the vehicle initially for me, but I would say um, it's fit into so many different other um, categories uh, since then. And for me, it's much more than that. It's more of, like, I truly believe I'm like an, an optimist. I'm very passionate about this, but I believe the world is full of great people doing great things. And unfortunately, right now we're stuck with uh, a lot of noise around fake news and bad news. And we oftentimes give more attention to the bad news because that's what's trendy or what people share on social media. But if we had more great people and doing great things, putting their stories out there, pressing the button, I believe we would drown out a lot of the noise and we would be able to do some great things together. So 
that's really where it kind of you know bottles up to me. It's like the onus is on us. Like if we want to change the world, we want to we want to make the world a better place. We have to help other people that are doing great stuff put their stories out there rather than trying to fight the bad or the, the things that are, you know, that are out there. And, and it's difficult. And I think that's also the caveat, right, Matt? Like, you know, I have to have, like video, especially video, but like doing any of these things is awkward. Like all of a sudden you have to start talking about yourself and you're like, well, you know, some people that that's not natural, but other people it's not. And then like, I have to talk into my phone sometimes and I have to, so like all of this is not natural, but it's become a necessity if you are a good person doing good things. If you are not a good person and you don't not doing good things, like I don't care if you're gonna wait wait around to be discovered. But I think for those good people doing good things, brands, businesses, leaders, um, it's all about pressing the button. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. One thing it uh, made me think about is uh, in an interview we did and Andrew Kahn from, and he works with TubeBuddy, he said something and a quote, and I just, I had used it for a presentation recently. He said that, you know, it's not natural to look into the lens. It's, but it's a choice, just like, you know, what you wear is a choice and you have to get comfortable that you're going to take that choice. So that's one thing. But two, I love this, that you've expanded this beyond just video. And I think for our audience, a lot of it, they're probably here like, okay, well, what does it mean for video? Because I know like this process is, it is weird, but you can get comfortable with it. Cause you, if you keep going with it, keep doing with it, you know, um, Cause like my first live stream I ever did was like in 2010. Like, so I've had right. a decade to get used to this idea and get more comfortable with it, more fluid with it. But I love the idea that you just got to do it and you have to be responsible to show like, you, you know, no one's going to just pick up your work. You have to be yep. out there showing your work. And that's, that's, I think that's a powerful thing. And for like anyone making screen videos or screenshots or just don't be afraid to do it right at the end of the day. Yep. Well, and you, you, said something, you said something that I thought was important, right? It's you're like, you know, it takes a while to get comfortable. And I actually don't even know if that's the case. It takes a while to get being okay of being uncomfortable. <laughs> right. right. Like, yeah, that, that's more so. Of, and, and, and this is something I actually, you and I talked about this on our most recent call that I thought for a lot, you know, the audience has to remember is that like, I mean, I've done over almost 4,000 live streams, right? And I've created a ton of video. I mean, every week uh, on LinkedIn, I've posted a video uh, for almost four years, right? Like, I mean, I put out a ton of video. But weirdly enough, in the last month and a half, I've had the toughest time creating new videos for my new YouTube channel. And part of the reason was because I bought new equipment and I set up this new virtual studio. And all of a sudden, some of the variables that I got comfortable being uncomfortable with had changed and I had no idea that it was gonna change me. And I think that's something for the like, that people have to kind of look at is that like you are never gonna master this. Like I, I've talked to some of the biggest YouTubers in the world and they will tell me like, man, Brian, now all of a sudden as soon as this trend came to like jump cuts or Brian, I moved from you know a, a one shot camera to a two camera shot and all of a sudden it changed everything. And so. I think that's kind of the fun is that you will never get perfect and you'll always adapt. Um, and then, you know, and it kind of comes into my two rules that I have with press the damn button. Um, the first one is perfection is a fairy tale. Uh, if your goal is to be perfect, uh, you will never be great at, at the video medium ever. Um, and then the second one is control. Control is an illusion is the second one um, where, and I've been uh, preaching this for many years, but ultimately like tech's going to come and go, things are going to happen. And so if you can, Embrace that perfection's a fairy tale and be okay that you can't control all the variables. The only thing you can control is yourself. Then I think a lot of this becomes pretty fun and you get to adapt. And, you know, for me, 
you know, I've been learning a lot from TikTok recently on transitions and how to um, create content that is really outside of my normal creativity uh, realm. But I absolutely love it. Like, I've never been more excited to create video content ever in my entire life than right now. And it has to do with TikTok, weirdly enough. And it's not TikTok videos I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, I just produced three videos for two of them for Fortune 100 companies um, that they're promoting a session. And I use my TikTok skill set, the things I learned on TikTok, from TikTok mm-hmm. on both of these videos, right? And so I think that's kind of the, the beauty of this arena and where we're at. Yeah. I, and I, I love that, that, uh, because I think that's the thing, the, the thing that you said about like the tech's always going to change. It's so true, right? Like, because, and I think there's a couple things. One, it's always going to be progressing, whether you choose to or not. Yes. Two, if you're getting better, if you're trying to get better, you're probably going to use different tech later on, right? You're going to yep. add a camera. You're going to add lights. Please add a microphone. We, that's the thing, first thing we always tell people to do, but you're going to have to learn what that means. And you can't just settle I mean, you could, but if you want to get better and better at the medium, you're going to have to try to progress, right? Because that all comes with it. Now there's lots of craft in there, lots of skill that doesn't matter about the gear, but it does definitely feel like you just, you're going to have to keep rolling with it because the medium is going to change. And it's, I can only imagine what another 20 years is going to bring for us in terms of what video will look like, what it will be like, you know, who knows? We'll all have little drones flying around us. Who knows? Right. But we have to, we'll have to be okay with that. But I think that's also something, the beauty of a video and everyone who's done it, who's ever, anyone who's done video consistently, but you could ask every one of them. And it's like, oh my, you feel it, right? You feel like, you feel this element of like, I can do this even more, or I could do this differently, or I could, you know, and it, so like, even when someone's like, well, I just want to master my one domain, right? Maybe it's, you know, screen capturing, maybe, you know, maybe it's the idea of like, hey, I just want to do tutorials. But there is something about this idea that, the screen does not limit us, right? Our ability to create something that you know empowers, that educates, that motivates, maybe that entertains. And so there's something beautiful about this like continuing evolution. But the other thing about thing, and I, and I thought of this as soon as you said this, the other thing about like the technology and the gear that I've found is that I will often push and pull, which means I will push myself to, uh, you know, I, I got a 360 camera last year and all of a sudden I fell in love with 360 video, right? But when I fell in love with 360 video and I spent more time on 360 video, I realized that I needed to spend a little bit less time on some of the other things that I might've done uh, on post-production. And all of a sudden I changed the tools that I was using for post-production back to the tools that, that helped me out keep things simple, right? And like, mm-hmm. that's kind of the, that's the fun of this is that like, when you add a new camera, all of a sudden you might change the audio equipment that you're using, right? And then you finally fix the new audio. And now you're like, well, now I have less time to um, edit or maybe less time to do strategy. Uh, and I think that's the magic. I think the people that do video consistently over a long period of time, uh, and the person that stands out to me the most is Amy Landino, one of my really close friends. Uh, she's been uploading a video a week to YouTube for almost 11 years. I think it's 11 years next month, every week for 11 years. And for the first nine years of that, she had less than 25,000 subscribers. Um, and, but she was figuring out the plan and figuring out her thing. And now, I mean, I think she'll hit maybe close to a half a million subscribers by the end of the year. And she's a you know, global star on that side. But the thing about her and the thing about like what I think this all comes into, those that become consistent with video realize that you're going to change tech, change software, change gear, change your style, but it has to continually evolving. The, the key is figuring out how to set yourself up for success along the way each time, right? Like, what do you like to stand? Do you like to sit? Do you, you know, do you prefer 
a transcript or do you want notes? Like all of these things, once you start figuring out those things, like throw me a camera, throw me a web camera, give me five, I have five cameras here in my virtual studio, but um, there's something beautiful about video in that way. And, and just the context there, if you were to ask me in 2014, so you said you started live streaming in 2010, but for me in 2014, I did video for my work, but I thought there is no way I'm gonna be someone that, that preaches video or talks about video because I wasn't really comfortable on video because I was worried about my stutter. I was worried because I talk with my hands because the Italian comes out of me. Um, I was worried about, um, like, you know, there was lots of these things that, like, intimidated me about this medium. And so I know some people are like, well, that's nice. it must be nice for you and Matt, Brian, because you guys are, are video creators. Like, six years ago, there was, I was, not only was I not a video creator, I wouldn't even have even, I wouldn't even watched one video that would have taught me how to be video, uh, good on video. So, you know, a lot of it is, you know, kind of embracing it, learning as you go and kind of figure this whole thing out. Man, that's, uh, that's awesome. Cause I was just gonna, I just wanted to go down that path too. Right. Because I think there are a lot of people who are going to watch this or listen to the podcast later and say like, well, it's easy for Brian. Brian's got his, you know, he's got all these things figured out. He knows what he's doing. You know, Matt obviously does this every week, so no big deal. But for me, like they might say to themselves or to others, well, for me, I just don't know how I can even get to that point. So I'm curious besides just doing it, because I think that's, that's easy to yep. say. And it's like, that's like the advice that everyone gives, like, just go do it. You'll be fine. But what about your background or what was it that allowed you to get to the point where you could even start down that path? Beautiful question. I love this question. I think this is actually where everyone, most everyone goes wrong. I think when we're thinking about video, we often are like, okay, I know my audience likes long form video and they like, it being highly produced and they want some production clips, they want lower thirds. And we, we, we plan all of this out, right? Because we're, you know, we're, we realize that like there is an audience, but as soon as we, if we start with where our audience is, it immediately adds more variables and more excuses for us not to do it and for us not to enjoy it. It's like, it's like telling someone like, you're gonna love snowboarding, but I'm gonna put you on a black diamond, the hardest thing, and I'm gonna give you a, a board that's too big for you, but I want you to do it and continue doing it and just keep pressing the button until you figure it out. And you're like, well, thanks, I'm gonna break my neck or I'm gonna, I'm gonna hate this so much that I'm gonna move far away from the mountains, right? Like whatever that might be, right? And so I actually believe you have to figure out what you do for video that makes you the most comfortable. For me, interestingly enough, was Google Hangouts. Google Hangouts was my gateway. And I did a, I did a Twitter chat and a Google Hangout show. We did 300 episodes uh, of that show. We had it Monday and Wednesday every week for a couple of years. Um, and I got used to being able to interview somebody, look at the Twitter feed and the chat, and I never felt pressure because I didn't have to control the, the it wasn't just me on the screen, right? Like I got to interview someone, they got to be, I make them the star, and I got to figure that out. And then when live video came, where I mentioned before I was in Barcelona, you know, and I pulled out the selfie video, because Google Hangouts had taught me what things people wanted to hear from me, I didn't have to worry about what to share. Now I just have to figure out how to hold, hold court while I'm solo on the show. And so I think, I think that idea of like, just keep doing video till you're comfortable is great advice, but it doesn't, it doesn't move us. What I actually believe is try doing different forms of video, all different kinds in ways that make you comfortable and then lean in to what works, right? Like, like Instagram stories for me, like here's, here's like a little tip for me. 
if I am having a tough time recording a video, and for me, a tough time is like three takes. I know some people, like, if I'm on a third take, I'm frustrated because I'm just one of those people, like, I don't need to be perfect. I don't have to, um, thir the third take, I'm like, oh my gosh. I will oftentimes pull out my camera and do an Instagram story. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, what? Because Instagram stories, for whatever reason, I've been doing them for so long, the medium feels comfortable to me. The, the 15 seconds feels comfortable. You know, for, uh, for one of my good friends, I know for her, every time she's stuck on video, she just needs to get on a Zoom call with somebody and just chat. Because when she gets off the Zoom call, she's like, oh, yeah, I am good on video. And she's ready to rock and roll, right? So, like, my two-prong advice there is the first one is you're going to have to try lots of different form factors, right? Everything from, you know, yourself in the small box doing a screen share, you being solo, you doing interviews, you doing 15 seconds, you doing talking head into your phone, you using a DSLR. Like, if you're going to have to explore because you don't know what you are good at until you try it. You also don't know what doesn't work until you try it, right? Like, like and that's, the, like I said, the three-take thing. Like, a, a couple of my clients that I had worked with I mean, we were doing 12, 15 take uh, videos for, for an event that I was speaking at. And I was there live with a video team. And they were like, Brian, we don't like these videos. Like, they're not what we want. Like, they're, we're actually thinking this is kind of uncomfortable. And I was like, because you keep giving me a script and you make me keep doing all these takes. They're like, well, what do you want? I was like, I have a rule. And I have, a, you know, these are always on my desk. So for me, my rule is this for every video. I do a rule of five. I put five things that I want to make sure, well, three things that I want to make sure the audience take away. One that is a story that I think is relevant and one that is usually a piece of self-deprecating humor or something that I'm going to like, make fun of. And I put those five in every video, a three-minute video, 30-minute video. I have five things that I do for every video. And if you give me this, I can make sure I cover all of the things. I can mention the brands. I can talk about the sponsors. But if you give me a script or you make me retake it a whole bunch of times, I lose what makes me good on video. And I think for so many people, that is such the case where if if you don't if you if you can't figure out what makes you good on video, you have to keep trying. But then once you figure it out, you kind of have to be like the the owner of that. And I'm guilty many of times for giving in and trying to create video other people's way because they're like, Brian, you, you're so good on video. This will be easy. And then the, the end product isn't good. So I, I'm not sure if that exactly answers the question, Matt, but like that to me is such a big piece, right? Like you will not know what type of video you like creating until you try it. Well, I, I mean, I love that advice right? because you don't know. And like, I know there's lots of videos I've types that I've struggled with. I found that like doing interviews, I mean, I had the chance to interview you and others at video marketing world and we put those in the Academy and that worked great. We, we've done it other times. I found like, this is a very natural setting for me and I feel very comfortable. Whereas there are times when I'm just, you know, like Instagram, TikTok, Nope. I don't feel comfortable with that. Right. It's, it's, I, you know, maybe it's part of the, uh, it's so easy for me to put on my TechSmith kind of shirt and be like, I'm TechSmith. It's easy for me to represent. Whereas, Real Matt, you know, Matt outside of TechSmith feels a little bit boring, a little bit stifled, you know. Yeah, but uh, if I had to dissect that, right, like the TechSmith shirt that you're putting on, right, like, and I, and I own this, I love, like, I love that you went down this way. Like, we all have to find that piece of us, right? Like, because video is not natural. It is, it, every year since 2015 has been the year of video. I'll put my futurist hat on. Next year will also be the year of video, right? Like, this yeah. is not like breaking news, right? Like, but like, the video, like, I mean, we talk about Gary Vaynerchuk all the time, but like, go back and watch Wine Library TV season one and two. It is painful and miserable content, like painful content. Now the guy can't like, he literally like trips out of bed with a camera in front of his face, right? But like, 
there, there's something you have to find your armor, right? Maybe it is your, the, Hey, when I'm wearing TechSmith, I know what I'm going to talk about. Like, I would actually argue, Matt, like for you, there, there's this, there's a, there's some, there's a whole other side of you that, you know, thank you. Thanks to being friends with you that I get to know your journey at TechSmith. I know, you know, the, the entire team and all that, like, I would love access into that. Like, so for me, like I, like I would coach you into being, okay, what about the TechSmith, um, you know, putting on that, that, that cape, what about that makes video natural for you? And, and you know, a lot of it's like, I know the strategy. I know my target audience. I know my stuff when I'm in, on this, right? Okay, well, let's take those things. Let's strip out the mechanics of TechSmith and let's think about those in your personal life. And, and I know that's not really where we're going with this, but like right. everyone that's watching this, like you're going to find, and, and some people might be like, I'm not an extrovert. I'm not, a, it, it has nothing to do with any of that. Like I've said this for a while. A lot of people came to me and were like, man, Brian, like everyone's jumping on Zoom. Like, is video really going to be that popular of a thing? And I was like, actually, I'm going to say it's going to be more popular because here's what people are learning with Zoom. Some people are getting more comfortable on video. Other people are realizing video isn't just something the kids do and it's easy and it's pressing a damn button and anyone can create video. All of a sudden, I believe the value of video, the, the what it takes to create consistent video over time. And you might notice I keep mentioning the word consistent, right? Mm -hmm. Anyone can create a random viral video on a skateboard, drinking ocean spray, which uh, happened on TikTok just this week, which was just beautiful. Like anyone can get those one moments. But if you really want to, in my opinion, take your brand to the next level, your business selection level, make your training engaging and interactive and scalable. Video is the answer. That's the only answer. Um, but the, the the piece of that that's that is so important is that consistency. But like, you're not going to find that like whole vehicle until you're able to explore like what that is in your cave. And like, weirdly enough, like for me, like this is so for this interview because I know Matt and like me sitting in a chair doing live video is not natural as natural for me. I like to be on a stool or standing up, yeah. but I've gotten some feedback recently that Brian, you're so loud and so passionate and so intense that like you standing during an interview, eh, a little, little intimidating. And I was like, <laughs> thank you for the feedback. I'm always looking for feedback. Let me see if I can start to train myself to be a little bit better in my chair. And I'll, I'm like, kind of like jumping out of my chair, but <laughs> like, so I think that's something that to it that like, we have to kind of look at because there is a tendency to go, man, video must be easy for them or, or just because they've been doing video or wow, you know, Brian found video. Like, like I will say, like, I will say my, my business and my personal life would not be where it is today if it wasn't for video. And that's someone that six years ago would have never done any video, right? Like, Thing, I mean, just like wrapping your head around that to me is why this is all like, you know, and I'm I, the reason I'm passionate about it, it comes back to that a very original soapbox that I went on when I introduced myself, right? Like, I want great people that are doing great things to put their messages out so we can amplify it and help the great stuff stand out. And I believe the number one most intimate, most personalized way to do that in any digital medium is video. Yeah, uh, no, I I love that and you got me fired up. Matt. You got me fired up. It, look, it's it's time to make the video, right, Brian? And everyone, and you know, I think the cool thing is that all these things that you've said, I know that there's challenges in that, right? It's I don't want to pretend it's easy, but I know it's possible because I'm on that journey, right? And you're on that journey, and I've seen a lot of other people do this, and I I love that you brought up Gary Vanderchuk, his journey. But like, I look at some of the people that we've interviewed, and you can see those interviews in the TechSmith Academy, like Sean Canal, right? Over a million subscribers yes. on YouTube. And first of all, I always like to clarify something with our audience that we talk about YouTubers or people on YouTube 
but I never think of them. Don't think of them that way. Think of them as really smart business people. Everyone I've met uh, right. that's successful are really good business people who happen to do videos on YouTube. But like you look at their beginning stuff and it's all, it's not good. My first yep. stuff, I've got my first video I've ever made for TechSmith as part of my job interview. And it's a screen video and it's terrible. Um, but this that's actually, I, I want to diverge from this for a second because you, you brought up TikTok, you brought up Instagram stories. LinkedIn just has released a, a stories platform. And what I'm curious about, Brian, because I know you're on the cutting edge of this. I think yours might've been one of the first stories on, on LinkedIn that I saw. Uh, I'm curious from a kind of a, the business perspective uh, about these, because obviously I think a lot of us, you know, if we're in the instructional design training, technical writing world, we're probably looking at Instagram and TikTok and saying our audience, that's not our audience, which is fine. But LinkedIn, all of a sudden, you know, there's this, there's opportunities there. What, why should someone be looking at those? I know you said it's kind of your easy go-to like, okay, I know I can do it if I do it here, but for the rest of us who maybe haven't even made one, what is it? that's there for us that we should be thinking about or looking at. I, there's some other things you said I can tie back in, but I'm, I'm curious what you think. No, I like this. I like where you're going with that. This is a kind of a conversation too, because so like you might, like I talk about how many live videos I've done, right? Like I've done so many live videos. Here's a, here's a little caveat. LinkedIn is my number one platform for focus on business. It is my favorite. It's the only one I have notifications on on my phone. The only, only social network. And I'm on every social network. For those that don't know me, I'm on everything. The only one I have on my phone is LinkedIn. I've had LinkedIn live access since before it went live. And I've done three LinkedIn lives total. So when you think about this, like, wait a second, Brian, you've had LinkedIn live and, and like, like, wouldn't you just be blasting it out everywhere? But I am a business person and I am also someone that likes to look at it and say, okay, what is working for me on LinkedIn? Produce videos that are three to five minutes long that I take while holding my phone. And I always start by saying, what's up LinkedIn? Like that's my catch on LinkedIn. What I, what I evaluated on LinkedIn when they had live video was, most of the people on my LinkedIn network could didn't even realize that video was a regular thing you could post, right? They would show right. up once a week. That's why I have notifications on, right? And so for me, I was like, man, if I go live on LinkedIn, I'm not going to talk to a whole bunch of other marketers about marketing and none of them are going to hire me. So do I want to jeopardize the reach and the value that I've got from organic LinkedIn video by just going live and pressing the damn button on LinkedIn live, right? So I did not. And I kept waiting and waiting. And then just within the last month, I've decided to do LinkedIn Live now because I have a more methodic, you know, I have a strategy behind it. I'm working with the LinkedIn events team on something. So that that's part of it. But the other piece of, you know, let's say LinkedIn stories, right? Like when I look at all of these texts, like I love to push all of the envelopes myself. It's why I'm on every social network. But if I was going to advise, when I, when I coach, people I'm coaching right now, I don't ever follow my rule. I tell them that they need to be strategic with the networks they're choosing to create on. Now, I will recommend you want to listen and, and pay attention to a network that you're not creating on just so that you get like a, like a perspective that is unique. I mean, I was on TikTok for almost a year before I posted anything, which is very rare for me on a platform because I'm not, I can't sing or dance, but I have no problem making a fool of myself and trying out things. But I was really like, ooh, TikTok, I want to I want to understand this creator world, right? Then I created an account and for six months I spent researching who were the creators that surprised me. And then I interviewed 31 of them in November of last year because I wanted to understand their mindset of why they created on TikTok and not on Instagram, not on YouTube, not on wherever. Uh, and then I once I learned that, I'm taking that back to my business and putting that in the in the fold. So my recommendation is 
Like when LinkedIn stories came out, I was all kinds of excited. All of my marketer friends were joking like, wow, like LinkedIn three out, three years late. And like, oh my God, like the last thing we need is LinkedIn stories. Because what they were thinking about was watching their fellow marketers do LinkedIn stories. What I was thinking about was, what are the things that have worked for me on LinkedIn? Humanizing my brand. We hear about this. We hear the word humanizing the brand all the time. Like mm -hmm. the, some people that preach humanizing the brand told me they did not, they, they were so mad that Instagram or that LinkedIn had stories. And I was like, because it's an easy medium for us to humanize our brand? Like, what, what's your reasoning for not liking it? Like, oh, I don't want to create stories on another platform. I'm like, oh, so it's not that LinkedIn got stories. It's that your current workflow and production and your desire to embrace something new makes you bash that thing, right? Like, we have to be very careful in this world we're in right now to understand why someone doesn't like something. But in the business sense of it, I like to break things down in all of those ways. And I can tell you, TikTok became my like love at the moment because it's inspired me to create my business content differently. Not because I want to go TikTok viral or because the TikTok videos I create are of any value, right? Like it, it, uh, and, and yes, you can make money on TikTok and yes, you can make money on a lot of these other platforms, but I do look at it as like, I'm a .com, not a .org, right? And like, and, and I don't think it always comes down to like, where's my audience at? Because Matt, you said that, and that's something I also want to just touch on real quick. That, 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 that way of thinking, I think we have to shift a little bit, right? I'm okay with my audience not being on a platform, because remember, I'm a business person. If the people that influence my customers or my audience are on the platform. You hear what I'm saying? Now? Okay, so what I mean by that is, right now, it's the college age to like 35 three years old on TikTok that are, a lot of them are engaging with my content on, on TikTok. And what I know is that they are becoming into positions that work for event companies or brands or businesses where they take a management role, where they might have be sitting in a meeting where someone says, do you know of a speaker that can talk about digital empathy? Right? Well, the person that's going to write my check, the person that's going to sign off on that is not on my TikTok. But the right. person that they might listen to, it's like, oh, I got this bleeding edge guy. He's like, he's old, you know, he's 39 years old. He's old. Um, that, but like, we, he's, he, I've engaged with him on TikTok. So, like, that's the piece that we also have to think about. And the, the other part of it is pulling out the, I, I keep using this word, but this, this concept, but like, strip the mechanics out of it and ask yourself, does this, by creating on this platform, does it allow me to build trust, create trust? I'm sorry, build trust, <laughs> maintain trust, or scale trust. If it does, I think it's worth doing, right? Like, I think we're all in the business of trust. Video is the number one vehicle for delivering that. And the question we have to be, you have to ask yourself, does it fit any of those? And for me, LinkedIn Live did not for the first year. Now it might more because the audience has become more mature and more understanding of those platforms. So that's really where I fit when I look at all these platforms. I kick the tires, I test them out, but you would be probably more surprised than anything that I end up leading people away from some things more than I lead them to it. And if I lead them to it, oftentimes it's like, just listen, listen and learn. I mean, like the person who I, who has taught me this transition piece that I like, cause I go into a cartoon that I have, like I come out of it. it the person who's done that is a construction worker who started creating TikToks for fun because, and he actually said he created TikToks. He, went, he was tired of dating apps. So he just started creating TikToks. Well, then he just started getting used to and playing with all the features. And all of a sudden, he, his, his process is something I've never heard anyone do before. I discovered him. And so, like, think about that. How cool is that that, like, a construction worker that fell in love with video is teaching me who does video and helps people do video how to create video differently. And I, 
I would have never been exposed to that unless I would have had the open mind to kind of consume there on, on, on TikTok. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, there's like that was just a masterclass in so many things, Brian. I, I appreciate it because, you know, I think I love this idea of thinking differently about the way you're creating, thinking about your audience differently. I, I And bringing all those things together is going to make you, you know, you can become more successful in different ways because you're doing that. I know it's so easy to get caught in that rut of I'm just going to make the same thing over and over and over and over. And it goes back to what we said earlier about pushing yourself, right? Trying the new things and give the give and take on, on the technology. And if you're doing more on one thing to learn, you know, maybe you're doing less on the other, but, but I do think it's um, interesting because, you know, we're, we're here, like this show is on, we're on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. We're doing that very specifically. We've got purposes for that, you know, been trying to figure out the link, what I'm going to do with the LinkedIn stories. But I do think, you know, you bide your time, you look, you watch, you learn, uh, and you, you find the people that are doing interesting things and see what you can take from that. So that's, that's all amazing advice. And I hope everyone that's listening to Brian today, uh, I hope you guys are thinking about this. My only disappointment is I'm not writing notes, but I'm going to go back and re-listen to it because you've got so many of these tips and ideas I think are, are, are really good. The idea of like liking to look at yourself on video, right? Like, and like for those that have ever worked with me, um, for the longest time, I never edited my own videos because I refused to watch myself back because I would have to retake it, right? Like, oh my God, Brian, slow down. Stop talking with your hands. Look into the camera, Brian. Like, and so I had a process where I would create two or three videos myself and I would send them to my team. They would edit it and decide which one they liked the most. And then I would watch it, right? Um, most recently, Zoom just added a new feature where you can actually turn off your own video so you don't have to look at yourself on video, right? Like, but I think there's also something, there's some tricks you can make, right? Like, the idea that like making your video small, like I do that when I'm presenting, like I make my video underneath my web camera. Like I'm talking like micro machine level because I want to be able to just glance and look in the camera. If I can see me, I'm going to look down at my eyes. Right. And then like, so like there's some things that you can do to get comfortable on that. Um, you also just kind of have to like embrace your own like imperfections in a way. Funny enough, I was the anti green screen uh, person for, cause so I preach authenticity, trust, transparency and vulnerability, right? Pretty much green screen is the idea is that you're masking all of that, right? <laughs> like that's kind of what a green screen comes into. But I've all, always felt that like with any technology, with anything that's out there, you want to make sure that there's a reason for you're using it. You're not using it for technology's sake. I think it's the number one mistake that we as creators make, it's we as businesses make, right? Like we just use a technology because we think we need to or we have to. And it wasn't until I moved into this house and I realized, wow, this middle section of my curtains and my, so like I have this like little makeshift stage that you guys might be able to see there. Yep. And so I'm giving these virtual events and I was like, you know what, what if I was able to put a green screen down the middle and I could really play into that. So I could put some things behind there and like have some fun with it. And, um, then it, the light bulb went off. And so in transparency, uh, I'm a brand ambassador for a brand called Iographer. Um, they're the ones that do, I have, I have a bunch of their stuff here. Um, they have cases for your iPhone. So you can live stream, you can mount your uh, microphone on top. Um, so Iographer is the name of the brand of that um, green screen. It is amazing. It is a portable one. I just, it folds down into a carry case. I just pull it up. It's freestanding. So like right there behind, like here, I'll, I'll even, here we'll even, like this is just a freestanding uh, green screen by itself. Oh, 
thing I like about it is it's high quality. I don't have to over light it. My lights are all the way back here. It also is pulled very tight. So I don't have to worry about, like I've had three other green screens sent to me for other companies. Um, and unfortunately I've never used them on a consistent basis because of those other things. So yeah, that's where, um, that's where those are at there. And I, you know, I'm happy to, um, I have an Amazon influencer store, um, that you guys can check. I have all the gear. I have a review of all the gear that I'm using on there, but yeah, so far I've fell in love with this green screen and tell you what, uh, we're using Ecamm for this um, presentation, for this uh, interview. Uh, Ecamm's green screen plugin for live videos is beautiful. It's, works very easy. Um, I just did a video recently where I jumped into Back to the Future, so I put Back to the Future on there, and I ran and jumped into it, uh, you know, with some with some fun Camtasia editing um, and. It was so easy just because to throw it up there. So um, I think that's 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 the tough part about green screens. You have to find the right tools, right technology, the right space for you, like the distance, how far it is behind you, all of those type of things. Yeah. So just another fun, uh, another fun, quick question. Somebody that saw your shelf back there and was curious how many iPhones you've bought. They, all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, so funny enough, someone asked me that um, about two weeks ago. We went back and figured it out. So I've had every iPhone starting with the iPhone 3. So um, I, I, I had, um, at the time, like early on, I had a BlackBerry, and so my brother had an iPhone 2, and I was still BlackBerry. But I've had every one, iPhone 3, iPhone 3GS. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier that don't guide technology for technology's sake. Um, sometimes you don't want to, you know, don't do what I do, do what, do what I say, not what I do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, iPhones is a weakness of mine. I get the newest one uh, as soon as it comes out. I have the same AT&T plan from this first 3GS. So this is my first, yeah, this is the iPhone 3G. I mean, look at this, look at this bad boy. I mean, like, <laughs> look at that. Oh, it's upside down. Look at that. I mean, that thing is, I mean, that's a beaut. But yeah, that's, that's the 3GS, um, but I still have the same AT&T plan. So uh, that's allowed me to kind of scale up. But yes, I've had way more iPhones. Now, interestingly enough, in that whole idea, I've only owned two MacBooks since 2012. So I, I might buy a whole bunch of iPhones, but I, I, and I actually have both of the MacBooks here in front of me right now that are actually in use. So, um, <laughs> like, so, it, you know, I'm, I'm a tech, you know, over, over calculate on one way and other ways. I, 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 a little bit nostalgia, you know, like the tech that I have. No, that's, uh, it's fantastic. And it's fun to see all those, man, the, all the phones that come. So you'll be excited for next week. I'm sure we know, what, I am. we know what Brian's going to be doing as Apple has their next announcement. Uh, Brian, we're going to, we're, we're getting close on our time here. I'm, I'm curious as we wrap up I and mean, we, we've talked about so many things and a lot of really great advice. It's very actionable for anybody that goes and listens to this. What are your final kind of parting words or thoughts? Because I mean, I think we've we've covered a big gamut of ideas, right? But when it comes to boil it all down for folks who are not, you know, their goal is not to be a speaker. They're not trying to put themselves out there for the world necessarily. They're just trying to do a good job in their day job, help people learn, you know, help people understand products that they're working for, things like that. What advice do you give them kind of as our parting thinking here? You know, I think this is a, this is one I like. You know, my brother, uh, my two, I have two brothers. Uh, one is a uh, venture capitalist, uh, commercial real estate agent, uh, real estate owner of multiple companies. Other one works in audio, video production, uh, and neither one of them love social media, and neither love, one of them love video. Um, and recently, I've started to get them into making more video. And part of it came into this idea that you know, like when we think about you know not only telling our story, but like building relationships. Um, collaborating with other people, um, giving ourselves job security just in case a pandemic or something happens, right? Um, 
what are the what are the things that we can do that can help us continue to progress also highlight who we are and that's to me that is video right so it's not about like like we mentioned YouTube. I am not good on YouTube. My YouTube channel is not anything to be bragging about. YouTube is a is a a platform that requires a certain strategy that does not has not fit my business objectives. So I just haven't given that its attention. And I think that's okay. And like if you want to just be better at videos so you can create videos for you know with for your boss, or maybe you just want to get better at videos so that you can be better on these Zoom calls because you're working from home for the first time. Whatever these are, they're all okay. I just want us to take the, the perspective I want us to think, and I think this is where we sometimes make uh, a, a mistake in, is that you're not doing video to solve an online or a virtual problem. It's not a Band-Aid for what we're doing virtual. I actually look at it as the great amplifier of everything, right? Like video, like, I, and I mentioned this before tongue in cheek, but like if what you're doing is not good and you are not good at what you do and you put it on video, it just means more people are going to see it. But if you are good at what you do, or you love what you do, or you have hobbies, like like for my bro- my brother, like my brother had no interest in video, but his his middle daughter is getting really really good at soccer, and I was like Jeff, you need to start creating some videos with her. And all of a sudden, I looked at his videos, like what's going on? He's like, yeah, man, I started doing more video around work, and I learned some new techniques, and now I'm gonna put those with my daughter's video. And I was like, you know what's gonna happen, Jeff? I was like, she's gonna get recruited to a top notch college. Because she's gonna have a bunch of B-roll and a bunch of good video that you created, you know, during these times. And so I, I think video is that is that piece. And I think last but not least is that I know we all don't have this idea that like I have to change the world or I have to put everything out there. But I think it, it has to be said. Like we can't ignore that we are living in the most you know divided times, especially in the U.S. that we've ever had. And it's not about, I don't believe it's about doing it for my kids. I think it's, I'm, it's about doing for, it for me and share all the things that we have going on. And so maybe the, 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 my call to action for everyone that's out there is open your perspective to maybe different ways to create video. And then last but not least, ask yourself, and this might go to Matt as well, right? Um, Matt, for Matt creating you know, Instagram stories or whatever it may be. Ask yourself, am I not sharing things or I'm not comfortable sharing things on video during this style because it doesn't fit me today or is it because it didn't fit me five years ago and I haven't really came back and revisited like if you would have told me I would talk about ADHD my divorce and being a co-parent dad you know like those aren't things that I would have been like five years ago I would have ever shared right but I kept having to ask myself questions like how do I build trust what does my audience want to care about and if you Keep asking yourself these questions. You might be surprised. You might all of a sudden want to be able to share something you never thought of, or you might discover something you never shared up. But I, you know, press the damn button is a mantra that says, put it out there. But once you press the button, figure out what works, and then lean into what works. It's not about throwing a bunch of crap in the world. We got plenty of crap, plenty of content, plenty of noise. But it, there is something to be said. There's something beautiful about Like to me, it's like, the reason that the TikTok one is so great is like, the number one people I follow are stay-at-home moms, construction workers, nurses, and lawyers. Those are my, my four favorite creators on TikTok. And it is a beautiful thing to watch these beautiful, amazing humans that have great stories that are doing just these wonderful things find a way to tell the world about their story. And that's what keeps me inspired. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Brian. That's awesome. The way that I think of this, and so right now I have two Instagram accounts. One's Brian Fanzo Speaker. One is iSocialFans, right? So I have one that was Speaker. One, And part of the reasoning was I, 
I had preached for the longest time that you have to keep the kind of two worlds together because people do business with you. And then someone asked me, like, have you figured out, have you tried an Instagram account um, for only speaking? I was like, I haven't, so I should try it. So 2018, November, I decided to um, try out that doing a different one, right? So for me, it was kind of exploring. But the way that I answer that question is that it's all about managing the expectations for your audience. If the channel is going to have a variety of different content, own that, put it out there. Do not try to disguise it. Do not try to blend it in. If you're like, man, I, I, I don't think these audiences have enough crossover. Like, I, I created eight Twitter accounts at one time because I believed I had eight different ways of tweeting. <laughs> uh, now I'm narrowed down to three, which I've had the same three since that original eight. And I have one that's Pittsburgh Sports. And I am very loud and obnoxious on Pittsburgh sports on the weekends. And I realized that that didn't need to be on my nor my other two channels. But I had other other ones where I talked, I reviewed tech gear, another one where I played poker, uh, another one where I, I gave my, uh, I broke down documentaries and, and kind of insights on that. Another one where I talked about Jeeps. And I realized a lot of those other topics fit very well into the brand of iSocial fans. But there were a couple ones that kind of left a little bit different. And so um, I, I think it's, Here's, here's my like end on this is if you don't have a niche, you have to do a strategy different than everyone else. So if you have a niche, here's, and, and I want to clarify, if you have a niche or a niche, own it, double down, make it your thing, go all in. I am all for it. I, I'm not against niches, but there's a lot of us that are like me that don't have one, right? Or that struggle like, to just stay focused on one thing. If you struggle to not have focus on one thing, here's the, here's the magic sauce. When someone has a niche, people remember you by what you do. When you do not have a niche, they will be confused by what you do. Therefore, they will remember you by who you are. Therefore, the consistency, which is what a niche ends up being, the value of that niche is that consistency of association with a topic. That has to be with you. Like for me, a lot of it has to do with my hats. Like crazy enough, like I'm the backwards hat wearing guy and, and they might not be sure which channel I'm doing what or what I'm talking about, but they know me. They know I'm a girl dad. They know I, you know, I wear my, my, my backwards hat and I talk fast, right? Like, so that, that's the advice there is like, you have to, you know, it's the Steve Jobs, right? Like Steve Jobs, the black, the black shirt, right? Like, I mean, some people say the mom jeans, black shirt, mom jeans, whatever um, he was wearing. But like, that's, that's one of those big difference. If you are going to be multifaceted, you do have to make people remember you based on who you are. If you have a niche, you can allow the niche to be that vehicle. But I, I love that question. Like, actually, the number one line in my TikTok bio is CEO team no niche. Because uh, if you look at my TikTok, it is a most random variety of life. But it's part of the fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Brian, for answering that question. And it's, and it's great advice because I know, I know, I think a lot of people struggle with that, right? Because they're not sure where they're taking their their personality, their brand in terms of their online presence. And so, yep. I, I I love that advice. I think it's great. Hopefully, that Fred that helps you out on your journey. And Brian, I can't thank you enough for joining us today for the for the broadcast. We really always great to catch up with you. Great to see you and chat with you. You always have so many great insights. And uh, guys, go check out Brian's stuff. You know, you can find Brian. Brian, iSocial fans, brianfanzo.com. Go check his. You know, if you guys are looking for speakers, Brian is an excellent one. He's a great MC. Let's see. He can he can talk about video. He can consult with you. He's got all sorts of things that he can do. So, uh, Brian, thanks again for your time today. 